Hello and welcome back to Podcasting is Praxis. I'm David and my pronouns are he and him. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Alistair and my pronouns are he and him as well. And we've got a very yeah. slim lineup at the moment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Rob, Rob's now on his holiday, um, which, you know, prick. Um, and, uh, <laughs> and, and James has took a night off for the, the sake of their own health, which is like, yeah, fair enough. Everyone should take a break from podcasting for their own health. Unless you're Rob, in which case, fuck you, prick, come back. Uh, I mean, that's the great thing about having uh, this particular episode set up in the way that it is. We can just slate Rob in the first half and then nothing you can say about it. <laughs> I mean, it's deserved after what he did to his last week. So, like, yeah, he's only brought this on yeah. himself. Yeah, I did not appreciate it because we are sort of podcasting from the past and the future. Uh, yes. So we have... We yes. have been. We have been. This is subsequent to being carpet bombed by Sinan on the last recording. <laughs> yeah. Um. For, for fans of uh, Rob putting us through misery, though, we do have a section we recorded a couple of weeks ago. Um. In the second half of this episode, so look forward to that. But I thought before we get stuck in there, why why don't we just have a little? We haven't really done a kind of news roundupy thing recently, so I thought we'd just kind of have a wee look, see what's going on, and and just have a chat about it. So. Uh, first up, um, you know the pandemic's over. Uh, yeah, I've heard, heard. I've heard good things about that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it's so over that in the last couple of weeks, not only Scotland, um, but also London have apparently hit one in 11 people um, likely to be infected. I might be interested until it's nine in 11 people, frankly. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that, that's a proportion I could work with, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's um, yeah. Pandemic's over. Um, don't look at those numbers. Don't listen to those numbers. Those numbers are obviously estimated to some degree because we um, have basically stopped fucking testing, uh, which is also cool with those kind of numbers. I'll tell you what is fun. I I saw a I saw a tweet earlier today about how British Airways uh, removed their um, mask on flight policy um, in the middle of March. Yes. Apparently, apparently they've cancelled like dozens yeah. of flights. All all the um, airports are in just fucking chaos now because like everyone's dead. So yeah, I seen this. So um, yesterday alone, so that was that was the fourth of April for those keeping score. Um, ninety flights from Heathrow, um, British Airways flights were cancelled yesterday. So that's going well. Um, Manchester Airport has been an absolute fucking shit show. Uh, like because of staff absences and the amount of people actually fucking turning up to go on planes, some of which are cancelled, some of which aren't. So yeah, that's that's all fucking great. Remember we talked a little while back. We talked about the um, we did that episode about like the army and British culture and all that kind of shit. And I mentioned that the army was doing some work in Scotland um, with the ambulance service. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> two great tastes that taste great together. Mm. So um, I, I've been told um, some some first hand shit, which we'll probably go into in another episode because there's a lot in there, um, and, I, and I need to check some stuff with it. Um, but it's turned it into a clusterfuck. The Scottish government put out a statement today saying that um, there has been a minor improvement in the number of A and E patients waiting less than four hours, which. Sounds good, but um, we're still over a thousand each week waiting more than twelve to get into any. <laughs> Is this one of those? Technically, this number has decreased because the situation has gotten a lot worse. Yes, yes, it very much, it very much <laughs> as of that ilk here. Tree um, threats so. the reaper always gets his. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, uh, so that that's all really fucking cool. Another cool thing with the NHS that's happened, at least down south, I don't know if it's happened up here yet, but down south, there was a, a kind of addition to the death and service benefit that was put in place for all like health and social care workers. Um, it was worth about £60,000 of financial support to assist with like, funeral costs and other like, death-associated financial burdens that families would experience. That's gone now. Uh, 10 health and social care workers did die in the first quarter of the year, in the first three months, and they've decided that from 31st of March, nah, I don't need that anymore. So that's that's also very cool. Good to know. Yeah. yeah. There's never been a better time to die. Mm, Saves um, a lot of money as well, dying. So. <laughs> yeah, the NHS also advocating staff to take up smoking. <laughs> <laughs> I, well, the other, the other interesting thing here as well is that, that did you know the symptoms of COVID have changed now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, they've changed now. The NHS said that they've changed. So it used to be that if you were to get a test, like your not your um, your rapid LFT one, but the the PCR one, mm-hmm. um, you would have to um, present with a high temperature or a new continuous cough or a loss of a loss or change to your sense of smell or taste. Now that has extended to shortness of breath, feeling tired or exhausted, an aching body, a headache, a sore throat, a blocked or runny nose, loss of appetite, diarrhea, feeling sick or being sick. All of those are COVID symptoms now. They weren't before, well, but I they have are those now. all the time. So yes, how would I yes. know? That's just called depression. Um <laughs> yeah. But the reason that this is interesting is because this changed as soon as it became no longer free to get a test. Interesting. Mm. <laughs> Very fucking interesting, yeah. So, I mean, like, people were denied access to tests and that kind of stuff because they didn't actually present with the three symptoms originally fucking listed. Um, you know, you can't get a test, you, you can't get booked in for one because you don't have one of those symptoms. Fuck you. Uh, now that you need to pay for it and ex- employers will still expect you to present with a fucking test that's positive, yeah, that's that's what we've got there. So oh, it's just just fucking infuriating, really. It's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's fucking it's it's wild. Like there's no there's no need for it to have ended up like this, but it has. So that's cool. Um, this isn't going to go away. There aren't going to be any more fucking mitigations. Hey Um, so yeah, like uh, just as much as things are back to normal, they're very much not. There is still a fucking. There is still a fucking pandemic on. It's going to get weird. It's going to get fucked up. Um, like, for all the shit that everyone clocked on at the start of going, hey, this nudge unit looks a bit fucking suspicious, that's going to ramp up as well. So look forward to that. Um, yeah. No good news there. Sorry. Um, but we, we, we get the shit bit out of the way first. Um, on to a little update on the business world from a few little places so oh are, are our podcast investments finally paying uh, off <laughs> um i hope none of these are fucking I'm, things I'm hearing, investments in. i'm hearing good things about dogecoin mm, well actually that that does bring us to the first one which is twitter um and it's it's new shareholder elon musk <laughs> <laughs> So Elon Musk now owns a 9.2% stake in Twitter, which is worth somehow $2.3 billion. For fuck's sake. The Bird app is worth many billions of dollars, and that is just a very pathetic state of affairs. 
Yeah, like I don't think I've ever been successfully advertised to on that app, other than like you know, the my lone lizard brain. That's about the only thing that's successfully been advertised to me is embracing that. <laughs> David being like having the concept of drinking water out of a ravine, like and she's like, oh, that sounds like a good idea. <laughs> oh, I was thinking more just like the the base element of fight or flight, <laughs> but yeah, um, tw- nothing else has made me drink more water. Twitter's not going to fucking achieve it. Good luck. Um, better websites have tried. Elon Musk can own as much Twitter as he wants. He's still not going to be funny. No, no. It is going to be interesting to see how this one goes down with like. Uh, so, <laughs> well, oh, fuck, I need I need to find the tweet. I did not fucking get the tweet for this. Hang on. Um, <laughs> after after Elon Musk buys his stake in uh, Twitter, it is now compulsory to have a Reddit account and link the two in order for... (laughs) (laughs) In order to know what your uh, fucking details on Reddit are so you can get downvoted on there into into oblivion for saying Elon Musk is actually a massive cunt. Yeah. um, So the the, the Twitter CEO, um, Parag Agrabal, um, I'm excited to share that we're appointing at Elon Musk to our board. Through conversations with Elon in recent weeks, it became clear to us that he would bring great value to our board. How? In what way? Maybe I feel like I feel like he probably would get more value for his money if he bought like some kind of ancient comedy website that uh, is still inexplicably going in the no, year he's gonna bring. He's going to bring value to Twitter by, like, now that he owns, like, a 10% stake or whatever, they'll be able to push, like, fucking NFTs or some shit, and all of his, like, fanboys will buy the Twitter NFTs. Oh, this is going to culminate in the largest Dogecoin scam known to man, yeah. I was going to say, Jamie, like, they've uh, already integrated or attempted to integrate Mm -hmm. NFTs to some degree. It is going to be fun when that shit gets ramped up to, like, 11. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I just don't see what the fuck he's going to offer. Um, like some people have been quick to jump in though, with like you know what what he could do. Uh, uh, Graham Linehan, for example, has wrote on a a, 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 a dear Elon letter, <laughs> literally beginning dear Elon, <laughs> T- titled "My Wife." <laughs> yeah, I yeah, mean... it's just a begging of like, please reinstate the accounts of um. I'm just going to assume turf, 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 and myself turf, um. And yeah. also my marriage, and so, my career. Women, lesbians, gay people, people with DSD conditions, trans people, Scottish nationalists, lesbians, and a comedy writer. You have missed off a descriptor, Graham. Some were verified, and many were important stakeholders in the debate around sex and gender. All were silenced for ideological reasons. Thanks in advance, maybe. Good Lord, he will not bring your kids back. Graham Linehan is Earth's softest bitch, like, isn't he? Do you know what I mean? Just <laughs> everyone just fucking like pissing all over him from a great oh. height, and he's just down there. He's just down there crying and like, oh, Elon Musk will save me. And it's like, no, he won't. Do you know what I mean? It was fun the other day when uh, he did that fucking uh, radio interview. Uh, I don't remember where specifically it was, but every- everyone like tweeting in and texting in was like, oh yeah, he's a massive piece of shit and deserves everything, every horrible thing that's happened to him yeah. since he started on his yeah. completely idiotic crusade. When he when he cried, it was like, yeah, fucking yeah. get on the man. Fucking get it up, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was incredible. 
100%. Fuck them. Uh, so, yeah, that's um, that's what's happening in the world of Twitter, which is, you know, always great. We, we, we love to talk about the fucking bird site. I mean, Glyn is just incredibly jealous of Elon Musk because imagine how many ready meals for one, like a trillion dollars buys. I've got an article that I pulled from the Times here about Brewdog. Uh, so Brewdog has went off at some HR company. I, I, I do love I do love Brewdog's ability to just constantly and continually paint itself in just glory. Oh, yeah. A victory, victory after PR victory, you know? Yeah. Alan Layton, um, which is Brewdog's chairman and the former boss of Asda, <laughs> has, uh, okay. <laughs> has accused um, this company hand and heart of amplifying attacks on its management team and has declined to take part in a proposed reconciliation programme. So in a letter to the managing director of Hand and Heart, Leighton said he was concerned about a platform that had been set up for Brewdog workers, claiming it was encouraging participants to submit malicious content. The unavoidable impression is that of H&H charging the company to extinguish a fire it is fueling itself. <laughs> so what's happened basically <laughs> is this company has openly basically said, DM us if Brewdog was mean to you, and then people have went, Brewdog was mean to me, and then they have said, this is an attack on us that we did not expect. I mean, fuck them, quite frankly. Yeah, yeah, fully fuck them, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, this, this all comes off the back of this. We've talked about this before, which is that fucking... I hate the name of this fucking Bunks With Purpose thing. Like, please just pick a fucking different name, guys. Please just divest yourself of the fucking Brewdog branding. Um, but yeah, so that, um, that company has basically done exactly that they've just they've set up a fucking way that people can say i have a grievance with brewdog because and they can submit their evidence through that um with the idea that you know they do a big report on it and then brewdog can then learn from that and then say we will do xyz to fix these problems going forward rather than do that they have shat their nappy and just said we don't like any of this please stop <laughs> i mean i can appreciate that sentiment but uh then i'm not uh fucking CEO or chairman or whatever of a very annoying fucking company. Yeah, yeah. I mean, fuck them. Like again, just just absolutely fuck them. Um, dog shit company run by <laughs> dog shit people. But I thought that was quite fun to see how they're getting fucking dragged by their own actions again, which is just it's always beautiful to see because fuck that company so much. Yeah. Another company which should also go fuck itself is Starbucks. Yeah, always and forever. Always and forever. Starbucks has been going quite heavy in on the union busting shit in the US just now. Wow. What? I specify That's in the not... US because I have no data to support that in the UK. That's not to say it's not happening in the UK, just to say I don't have any data to support that it is. But yeah, uh, there's been a, a few, quite a few stores now. Um, I think they're across 20 odd states at the moment of stores that have actually successfully unionized. So, you know, they're starting to panic a bit. And one of the things that they did was they brought Howard Schultz back as CEO. Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah, the guy that founded it, that- who has a history of union busting. Damn, wonder why they got that that guy back. I'm sure mm. it's purely because of his exceptional business acumen and not because of his extremely monomaniacal hatred towards unionization. Yeah, uh, so... <clears throat> they have they've been engaging in the usual shit like as soon as someone in, in a store starts actually fucking acting as some kind of organizer their owls get cut and then they get suspended or 
you know, they, they force them to work a shift that's not possible for them to work. They decide that their hours are no longer, um, the flexible hours arrangement is no longer suitable to the business despite nothing actually changing practically for the business. Uh, yeah, just, just fun shit like that. But one, one enjoyable thing here is that it's got to the stage now that the NLRB, which is the National Labor Relations Board in the US, they're now changing it so that rather than react to things as a, oh, well, we'll wait until we've got all the evidence submitted and then we'll go and take it to a fucking tribunal or whatever it is, a process which can take about three years, they're now running with, if someone comes in and says, I have been prevented from um, setting up a union in my workplace, that now basically takes the company to court. So they'll need to go to federal district court on that one to, to, to slog it out pretty much in the first instance. So that's going to slow down things on the union busting front, which is good. Um, whether or not it actually gets to the point of exposing anything and the legal teams don't end up fucking miring it out to fuck who knows. But either way, that's something good. I mean, it's. It, I was going to say, it's quite shocking, really, when you think about how, you know, like the country that had, you know, infamously had the Pinkertons, has still mm-hmm. the Pinkertons, has... Mm-hmm. Uh, arguably, to a point, some stronger workers' rights protections than the fucking UK does. Although, obviously, that's not universal, like, across the board sort of thing. But, like, the fact that you can just say, I've been stopped from forming a union, and the government goes, okay, that's bad, let's do something about that. Whereas in the UK, what? You just, you get fucking sacked because you're on a fucking zero-hours contract, and who gives a shit? Incredible. Yeah, it's it's a weird one. It's, it's a very fucking weird one that the US is somehow fucking better on that. Alistair, what if I told you that Howard Schultz has a great idea on how to get staff back on side? <laughs> it has a great idea to pull his failing business out of the toilet. <laughs> Sometime before the end of this calendar year, we are going to be in the NFT business. That delayed applause fucking makes that. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say like guarded applause. Oh <laughs> <laughs> uh... uh, yeah, so Starbucks NFTs. That's that's gonna get the workers back on side. What a forward-looking business that's gonna yeah. invest in NFTs by the end of calendar year two thousand and twenty-two. NFTs are over though. The yeah, is it done? Like, so. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, fuck. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Asking the <laughs> Royal Mint to mint an NFT. Like, that's that's not how minting works, mate. That's not how that works. They're a mint. Surely they can just mint a fucking monkey JPEG. <laughs> Do I look like I know how a JPEG works? I've I seen it. I can't remember who it was that posted the tweet, but it was either um, Rishi Sunak understands what an NFT is and thinks this is a good idea, or Rishi Sunak doesn't understand what an NFT is. Either way, like it clearly shows that he should not be in charge of a fucking national treasury. Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's such a fucking joke. Um, but that just, then again, Britain. He's just desperately flailing around to get the kids to like him. You know what I mean? Like that photo <laughs> of him the other day at the fucking barbecue or whatever it was. My my man has never cooked food with like his his own hands. I swear to God. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, like just the, the the way he was holding all the food on those plates, and it's like motherfucker, 
Have you ever been to a barbecue? Yeah, I mean, if he wants to keep doing these, like, fucking, like, down with the common man photo shoots, he, he really needs to work on making them look less like fucking photo shoots. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. he needs to get a music band t-shirt, a baseball cap, a skateboard. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe yeah. just don't hold, like, a platter with all of the fucking food on the from the barbecue at once, <laughs> because that looks like, you know what I mean? That does not look like a natural thing anyone does. Yeah, this is, this is what you eat, isn't it? <laughs> what he should have done is just paid someone from Asda to, like, get a photo taken with their barbecue. <laughs> Rishi Sunak just... <laughs> Ab sells down the side of a house to like cake crash some like fucking random person's barbecue <laughs> to have a photo of. Last business I want to look at is Amazon because Amazon just got rinsed in one of the funniest ways possible and that yeah. they failed to bust a union, which we love to fucking see. So um, the Amazon Labour Union now has a president in Chris Smalls who was elected after a supervised two-day count um, and won by 10 percentage points, which is fucking ace going, especially considering that the organising for this took place in the JFK 8 distribution centre, which is basically like the mega fucking centre that works for NYC. Um, yeah. mm. Like the, 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 the turnover rates, the burnout rates made any sort of organising a fucking nightmare. Uh, but they did it, so fucking hell yes, we, we love to see it. And Amazon are clearly flapping because with a, they've got like a little chat app that they're going to launch yeah. for their employees, yes. <laughs> and the, someone has leaked the someone has leaked the list of no no words, and it's <laughs> fucking amazing. Um, so you cannot say the following: I hate union <laughs> fire. <laughs> Uh, um, terminated compensation, pay raise, bullying or harassment. You also can't say I don't care. <laughs> um, oh, Matt, you know, it's, it's great that uh, we are allowing billionaires to essentially, um, well, force people to create what was like tech speak, but like in the 20, like, you know, mm-hmm. 2020s. So, like, just replacing all the fucking uh, letters with numbers, uh, shortening everything. Like, it'd be that fucking scene in Ali G where it's like the batteries. <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about? Right? <laughs> I mean, uh, like, so, some of these are, honestly, I don't actually know how people are supposed to fucking communicate in any way. Um, you're not allowed to say rude. You're not allowed to say this is concerning. <laughs> <laughs> um, you're also not allowed to say stupid or this is dumb. Um, I assume that you can say dumb, but saying this is dumb is something that's not allowed. Like the the funniest thing with this list is just kind of try to imagine like what were people like specifically thinking of as an example that made them go, I oh, can't let them say that. Um, prison isn't allowed. <laughs> <laughs> I remember, I remember reading this, and uh, two two that really stood out were master and slave. Yes, <laughs> and plantation as well. <laughs> plantation is For also sake. there. Yeah, um, grievance isn't allowed. Petition isn't allowed. Um, injustice isn't allowed. You're not you're not allowed to say diversity or ethics or fairness or accessibility or vaccine. <laughs> And then amazingly, mm-hmm. straight after that, it's senior ops. <laughs> <laughs> oh, god damn. Yeah, there's some fucking belters in there. Um, 
restrooms aren't allowed. You're not allowed to say robots. Uh, so if ever if ever the robots go on fire, then people are fucked, uh, which look, surely will never happen. Definitely not. Uh, but yeah, so that's Re- definitely remember- a list written by people who are not fucking panicking. Yeah, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Like as that list just grows and grows, as they have to keep adding like the fucking things people are saying to get around the filter. See, what people don't realise is but the pigeon that they speak in The Expanse was actually because of this world filter growing to encompass the entire English language. <laughs> oh, yeah. The Beltavalas need to fucking uh, unionise. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so that, that's 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 a little business roundup. So there's some stupid shit happening in there, which is good to see, and some you know, not some fucking sh- good shit that's happening but either way businesses are getting roundly fucked by workers in some way or another um, and all they're being taken for a fucking ride in the case of Twitter which like fine fuck you um, horrible business horrible company get fucked uh, but yeah so I think what we'll do now is we will, we will return to the past the, the glory days of two weeks ago when when Rob brought Adam from We Don't Talk About The Weather on to discuss Paul Mason. So, enjoy. Hello from the past. Um, This is a section that we've recorded before Rob fucked off on his very long holiday. So Rob is still here and is absolutely, like, unimpervious to our our aisle. So, um, hi. Uh, we have a cursed article to read. Thanks again, Rob. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and we have a guest on to read it with uh, because we'd love to share the pain and the misery, not just with the listeners, but with other people. So, Adam, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm doing okay. Thanks for having me on. Not Can for long. question. You said you like to share the pain with our listeners and other people. Are you implying yes. that there's something <laughs> subhuman about our listeners? <laughs> No, we love all our grot listeners. I said other people. Other people means that they are also people. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Gonna I didn't start. say our listeners and people. That would be that would be problematic. But no. I feel like I'm going to start my another podcast called My Podcast and Other Animals. <laughs> <laughs> well, you listener can judge what's in our hearts. Continue, David. Hmm. Okay, uh, well, I, I have nothing more to continue on at this point. It's This no, is all on Rob. I mean, essentially, the reason I, uh, I, I asked, we asked Adam uh, to come on is uh, because the author of this piece has has been a winner and multiple contender in many of uh, We Don't Talk About the Weather's End of Year Award shows. Is it still um, greasy? Oh, no. yes. <laughs> um, <laughs> and because originally I, I DM'd you, Adam, with the idea of like doing like a big, like maybe multi hour affair about like the life and times of Paul Mason, but that's just too oh, much work. Yes. <laughs> oh, no. It's uh, so he, he can never, we, oh. like, we have like an Orwell Prize, real Orwell Prize, where it's like the best, the worst left winger or socialist or progressive or whatever you want to call it, anyone on that side. And the odd thing is, everyone else drops out. He stays in, but he's still the worst. <laughs> Somehow, I don't know how that is. I mean, it's, it's because taking... he changes. It's, it's because he changes targets and he switches tack so often. No, it's because he's chasing the dragon and needs to take increasingly huge hits of spice. 
so yeah, I mean, one of the things we always have with Paul Mason is that, like I said, he switches targets and and like he just he chases where the biggest vibe is in the room. And currently, obviously, the biggest yep. vibe in the room is uh, in Ukraine. So so what he's written this time, he's written a lot of garbage, but. What he's written on his own, his own medium. Can we can website. we have a, can we have a brief like a very quick discussion of uh, our favorite Paul Mason hits? Mine is currently the pro Putin left that he loves to go on about. Oh, we will <laughs> be talking about the pro Putin left extensively <laughs> during this article reading. I just um, I'm just staggered by the character growth we've just seen demonstrated. Rob didn't call it the Ukraine. <laughs> I, 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 oh, I used to do that. I used to do I that fix all it the time. Post, don't worry. Okay, cool. <laughs> You ever said the Gambia? That's another one. <laughs> <laughs> Don't oh, ask no, me why. Old we Empire, got... like teaching or whatever, but I've heard people call it the Gambia. We, we have brought together one. exactly the two wrong people. Um, <laughs> to, to, like, you know, we found the, we're the only two people in the world who think it's fine to put the in front of a country name. And we've, we've got them on the pod here now I, to talk about I Paul genuinely Mason. can't remember whether or not with Gambia it is supposed to be the Gambia. I, I, I genuinely... have no idea. No idea. <laughs> Listener, write in. Yes. <laughs> to the past, when Rob is still here. Yes. Yeah. Send, send uh, your answer. Just the send receiving your bewildering to... messages about the Gambia in like two months, and we're like, what the fuck's this about? <laughs> What's your favourite country prefix? The? Great? Or lesser? Phone us now. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, my personal my... favourite is USS. Yeah. <laughs> union of yeah um well speaking of unions of let's let's talk a bit a little bit about union of and start reading from um a piece on his own medium webpage, which is always when you know it's really good um wherein paul mason sets out um well i'll just read the title ukraine colon outlines of a marxist position i mean He's not wrong because he's a self-described Marxist, and it is mm. a Marxist position. So, is this like is this about social democracy? It is about many things, but mainly it is time for the left to break with Stalinism for good. Oh, for fuck's oh. sake! Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Sure. Go, we, Go for it, Paul. Do we do we define our terms at any point? No. <laughs> <laughs> never any need to. Don't need to. Cool. All right. I just, I just thought. Waste I'd ask. of time. Yeah. I, I mean, whenever, whenever we just discuss one of these asinine fucking articles, whether it be from Paul Mason or like uh, the guy who uh, spends hundreds of pounds an hour to get a guy to clear wasps off his fucking shelf, <laughs> there's always like a discussion of like the lands in between, and it's like, okay, but what do you mean by that? So, oh, well, I will not be taking questions at this time. Um, <laughs> and it's good to see that this present in Paul Mason's latest garbage fucking article yeah uh, alright so here we go part of the left disgraced themselves in the run up to Putin's attack on Ukraine first by claiming the crisis was the result of NATO aggression second for a few by backing Putin's lies about the Donbass and supporting the idea that Ukraine's territorial borders were illegitimate third by repeatedly assuring their followers that Putin would not attack and then when he did claiming that he'd been tricked into it by the West I love to learn that Henry Kissinger and a series of other foreign policy ghouls from the American state are all leftists now. Because yes. every single fucking one of them warned that if, if NATO kept expanding its borders right up to Russia, Russia would be provoked into an open conflict by it. Like, the fuck? 
This is not like this is not some left wing moon speak. This was being predicted since the nineties. You prick. Anyway, sorry. Uh, and also, yeah, like, who who who's who's been saying that Russia was tricked into war? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I don't yeah, know. There was a big pile of like, fucking like big pile of war seed on the on the road, and they painted it to look like fucking bird seed. <laughs> so, yeah, like, what, someone what? someone wrapped a bullet in a slice of cheese, and Putin accidentally ate it, and well, you know, one thing led to another. Yeah, yeah just this big crate called Acme War that was accidentally <laughs> misdelivered and landed in Russia. And they went, I wonder what this is then, and opened it, and whoops! <laughs> Painting war on the side of a big rock and waiting Putin to run into it at full tilt. Um, <laughs> ah, the NATO strategy. Got you. <laughs> the thing is, you, you you wouldn't want to, like, um, say that, like, no one's done this, but he's suggesting there's this, like coherent position that is held by very like like very organized people and it's like no it's not yeah i can i can i can from from everything i do i can vouch for left and not organized like it (laughs) just it takes a substantial amount of my time and effort to try and organize parts of the fucking left frankly and i don't just mean the northern independence party i just mean beyond that i mean this fucking podcast alone (laughs) paul mason's taking that liberal ability to like do projection and shit but he's mastered it to the point where he's basically got a holodeck that he lives in at all times. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And right. also, like, just, it's this, it's this whole idea of it is convenient for me to ascribe whatever one particular individual is doing as to be entirely representative of my enemy. It, this, it's this bad faith thing that pretty much all political contingencies do to a lesser degree. He, 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 he does but... define who this is, by the way, so we'll, we'll get oh, into it. Shall we okay. get into it a little oh, bit? I'm... Yeah. No, mind. I retract all that. Lover four twenty. Your time is now. <laughs> yeah, like no, I'm I'm terribly sorry. All right, go it, ahead, it, Paul. Let's here hear we it. go. What we're dealing with here is Stalinism, and not just some residual loyalty to Russia as a former Soviet state, but Stalinism as a way of thinking. It is shared by 60-year-old Soviet nostalgics and 20-year-old leftists who have drunk the cool aid of anti-humanism from Althusser and Foucault. Paul, oh. I assure you, I am no longer in oh. my twenties. <laughs> this, this, yeah, that is a weird thing, right? He's got that weird age displacement thing because he thinks by saying a sixty-year-old, you automatically think of someone who was born in nineteen forty. And like, if you were sixty yeah. this year, you'd be born in nineteen sixty-two. You'd be yeah. thirty in nineteen ninety-two. Who is being a Stalinist? And like I say, they exist, but there's like three of them. Sixty-year-old <laughs> still in the shadow of Big Stalin. <laughs> I just I I love this idea that any like this whole projection that anyone on the left really gives a fuku about fuku like you know it, it, why what on what world right sure okay carry on Rob once you can accept that humanity is a social construct and that history is a process without a subject you can look at the 1500 dead civilians in mariupol and categorize them as neo-nazis you can look at eastern europeans move towards nato membership in the 90s and call it encirclement you can file away an entire nation of 41 million people under the category puppets of the west okay i understand what he's doing here now but it's yeah, incredibly he's stupid. Figments of his imagine, imagination. <laughs> well, it's like I, I, you know. So a good propagandist, they will muddy water and conflate terms in order to kind of project an image, right? And so what he's doing here is he's using very specific language from very specific kind of philosophy, which is you know, we'll not get into that here. And he's suggesting that you know obviously it's it's horseshit, 
but then he's conflating specific political positions as falling under the umbrella of that horseshit by rhetorical sleight of hand, right? Which would work, except no one has a fucking clue what he's talking about. Like, no one no one knows this shit, really. So it like, sounds like he's writing it purely for himself. Like, I mean, as I, I don't, need him. He's so he's he's mentioned those those two lines, right? And the uh, the um, history is a process about the subject, and humanity is a social construct, right? Yes. They're specific like lines yes. from Althusser, who yeah uh, tries to not going into it because I don't fucking understand it really. But basically, it's that like when you say something like "man makes his own history," sorry for the gender bias there, but that's how it's written. Man makes his own history, but not in an environment of his own choosing or whatever. Yes. Um, what you're doing is your language is suggesting like individual preference. And what Althusser says is that actually history is driven by class struggle and the masses, not by individual people to boil it down really, really like, like small. Yeah. But like what, this is why I wanted to drift past it because it's pretty yeah, fucking impenetrable. Paul, but anyway, carry on. Because Paul, is, Paul, is, Paul Mason takes it as this means that what you're being is you're being anti-individualist. You're being yeah. like, when he says anti-humanist, he means you're avoiding the preferences of individuals, which is like, I mean, yeah, but also what are you, what are you talking about? Like for what it's worth, like he talks about humanism and him, he thinks humanism is just individuals doing whatever they want. And like Stalinism had that kind of fakey humanism to it as well. Like actual historical Stalinism. Oh, don't and bring he, that into this. That's got you know nothing what I mean? to do with like, this. Like, like it, it's the idea that like, all of everything Stalinism was doing was for humans, was for humanity, for cherishing the human. One in reality, not actually cherishing humans that much at all. And like that's mm-hmm. the same thing that Paul does. It, like he yeah. only talks in massive wave, human waves of history because that's the only thing that gets him excited. Well, it's either that or inviting his fave porn stars to Athens. I mean, they're, they're, at some level, he's very, very human indeed. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, thankfully, many on the left are in a process of reappraisal, partly due to some excellent interventions from Ukrainian and Polish left and the Eastern European anarchist movement. The new situation... <laughs> I mean, I don't know any of these interventions, so I can't speak to them. So, like, Sorry, you know. it's, so it's, it's, I just wanted to say it's classic Paul Mason because it's like, I have a Ukrainian socialist girlfriend. She goes to another school. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's the anarchist one that raised my eyebrows right the fuck up. Like... Uh, We'll just include all of it. Why not? It's yeah. everything that isn't Stalinism, by which he means communism, by which he means left socialism. So fucking throw it all in there. Why not? Yeah, just like, what on earth? Like, if he met okay. a Ukrainian or Polish socialist that didn't agree with his position that they should join NATO, would he listen to them? Because supposedly he's <laughs> translating this whole cloth. Uh, this is what he, the left wants in Poland well, I mean, and Ukraine. He has been in Ukraine for, for like a while yes. now doing like weird meetings and stuff with people who, I don't know, may or may not be credible. I can't I can't speak to. But like all you're left with, as you say, Adam, is, is, is Paul as this sort of translatory medium where he says, yeah, I spoke to these guys. They represent the people. We cannot say that they don't because we don't know. Mm. Therefore, Paul must be right, which I think is genuinely part of his construction and why he goes to these places to do these things I haven't been keeping up with the, the jet setting movements of Paul Mason did he return <laughs> to Ukraine after fleeing immediately before the war began leaving all his cattle all alone or <laughs> uh, so there I, just no remember, I just remember something some post about a Turkish McDonald's on the way home <laughs> he just he just left a bulletproof vest on his bed with a note saying I'm sorry I can't <laughs> It's really, really just, cruel to stick also with the cost of the double hotel room, though. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the man has the mini, a single. Plus the minibar. 
Oh, God. <laughs> At least something in there is appropriately sized. Thank you, David. <laughs> the oh, new dear. situation does not fit in with knee-jerk anti-Americanism, anti-NATOism, and default anti-militarism that have been prevalent on the left since the end of the Cold War. Some of the best left groups and activists, however, still cling to neither Washington nor Moscow, arguing that the main enemy is at home, which would mean, literally, that in Ukraine, the main enemy of the working class is Zelensky. Uh, I'm, I mean, uh, you're, you're, taking, you're taking a state and reducing it to a single personage, as he does with Russia earlier, earlier on. He kind of mm. goes from... NATO and Russia to, oh, it's Putin. He's bad man. Oh, listen, you just see, I'm sorry, you're doing him dirty here. He is a port <laughs> and he's using a device of synodoki to, uh, what do you call it? You know, hold for a part of the part of the hole. Like, yeah. do, not, do not meddle in his craft that you cannot comprehend. Let the bard speak. I mean, you know, like, Zelensky does helm the Ukrainian state. Does the state work under the priority of the bourgeoisie against the interests of the proletariat? Do they enforce the terms by which the working class sell their labour? I mean, to their detriment, by the way. Yeah, then yes, <laughs> yeah. it kind of is. I mean, yeah. look, they're like you know, they're not. It's a difficult situation to say, "Hey, rise up and overthrow Zelensky right now." But <laughs> you know, you know. <laughs> also, like speaking again, I mean, purely for myself for this case, but like a, a clinging to a position of neither Washington nor Moscow, even in this situation, would you know appeals to me as well because like both yeah. of those seem pretty fucking terrifying and hell-bent on not having, you know, the best interests of the peoples and the working classes in general in their mind when they are doing what they are doing, which is either invading a country or arming its worst fascist, uh, you know, militias. But hey, maybe that's just me. Do you know, I was having a conversation with Comradio the other night, Rob, right? And someone said, yeah, I mean, we've been getting people, you know, coming to our podcast for light relief after we've been listening to Rob on yours. Um, you know, gloom pilled rather than doom pilled, I oh think was God. the expression that got used. So, uh... <laughs> well, I'm, I'm glad to be such a positive force in everybody's life. Uh, right. Mm. So, having provided a thorough and, and you know intellectually coherent framework, uh, here Paul begins to spell out an alternative under four subheadings. So, we'll just go. I'll, I'll briefly oh, list the four way. of them. Um, <laughs> uh, one, Ukraine is fighting a legit legitimate war of self-defense. Two, there is, is an inter-imperialist aspect to this war. Three, the world has entered systemic conflict. And four, decision time. Uh, before we get to the conclusion. All right. So, Ukraine is fighting a legitimate war of self-defense against a criminal war of aggression. That means unions, left parties, and progressive civil society movements all over the world should support Ukraine. Support their government sending arms to Ukraine. Um, we, support debt relief we, and aid. Are we also meant to support Ukraine when it removes all opposition parties and when it yes. cracks down on worker rights and yep. all things like that? Is that are we, are we just meant to accept Ukraine whole cloth fascism and all? Are we meant to say we, this is all fine because it's in aid of a defense against yeah the because they're the good guys. Yeah, yeah, Alistair, if you don't love them at their worst. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, Alistair, it does not mean uncritically supporting the Zelensky government or its privatization strategy or its alliances with Russian or with uh, or its alliances with Ukrainian oligarchs or its anti-democratic laws. It means turning the resistance into a movement for social justice in the new Ukraine. What? 
Where uh, is the space for this? I what is so. he expecting you to do? Adam, Are you expected to? I would simply wish a resistance movement grassroots in Ukraine into existence. It's that simple. What is it? Who is he talking to? Who's this for? Uh, well, well, let me answer. The left-wing group, uh, I'm going to probably butcher the pronunciation, so sorry for that. The left-wing group Socialny Ruk argues only a socialist and d democratic Ukraine can defeat the Russian militarized dictatorship. Actually, that's probably um, an overstatement. It is entirely possible that a capitalist and democratic Ukraine can mobilize its people in a resistance war to paralyze Putin's armies. But the idea of transformative social resistance is out there. Right. Are we arming Socialny Ruk then? Uh, no, we're not, well, we're, I don't know. Our, our governments are not. And I mean, when I say we, he uses we as in the UK government and we as in Stalinists and we as in the left Completely and we as in NATO, which is another huge and part yes. of his... I mean, yeah. it, it was the I, piece I almost chose for this, which is where he argues that, like, NATO is actually a socialist construct because the people in charge... Because <laughs> it's run by democratic governments who are elected by people. Socialism is when you have a group of people in the same room. <laughs> Socialism is when you have a society. Yeah. <laughs> when you've met anyone ever. We live oh, in maybe. NATO, oh, Lord's wisely. <laughs> I am very intelligent. You, we live in the NATO. I can't help. I can't help believe you're saying the NATO now, Adam. That's just incredible. oh yeah, the NATO. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm going to call it from now on. The NATO. <laughs> Inside Ukraine, it means, in the occupied areas, organizing passive resistance, strikes, sabotage of occupation forces, and, if possible, armed resistance. So, not um, passive resistance haven't, then. Haven't, haven't, haven't strikes in that been banned? Am I, well, am I, I misremembering yeah. that? Yeah, I believe they have, yeah. Yeah, uh, they've marched the, out labor unions. In the unoccupied areas, it means demanding the right of political organization within the territorial army brackets the various anarchist and left pl platoons and the freedom for trade unions to organize humanitarian relief solidarity sorry et sorry right uh, sorry i need to i need to fucking put, pump anarchist the brakes platoon. right here yeah. anarchist <laughs> platoons <laughs> what the fuck are you talking about have you have you do you have a passing conversant like have you ever encountered an anarchist ever paul like uh, really seriously anarchist platoon do you understand the, the concept of a contradiction in terms? God damn, he's so... He, just, he's... He is a dumb guy's idea of what... A dumb guy. <laughs> I was going to say not even... Not, not, not a smart guy, but of someone who's middle-brow, right? He's just... He's he, just so stupid. And... Oh. You can imagine someone say, I don't like Corbynism, oh, but I like that Paul Mason. This, no, this is how you know that he's a true Marxist. He's applied dialectical materialism to the idea of what happens when you have Stalinists and anarchists working together. You get anarchist <laughs> platoons. That's just it. That's, that's, that's your synthesis right there. Done. Hang on. The Azov Battalion exists. Do you think they're going to fucking put up with the existence of any kind of left-wing divisions of the army? Yes, because there aren't any, because that's illegal. Yeah, because yeah, those exactly, have all been right? banned, yeah. Yes. Yeah, they're like, not part of... It's, it's off battalion, I don't think, is part of the army, but does come under certain organisational bits with bits of the army, which is a very worrying situation. Yeah. So I, I, I think the, the words that have been missing 
from pretty much all the discourse on this topic in the mainstream media, and we're totally going there, is paramilitary force, the Azov Battalion. They just seem to be refusing to refer to them as it, but... Anyway, because like the first thing is you... the blue and yellow shirts. But <laughs> 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 okay. like again, you read you re- you read this and it's like, um, oh, I-, I was well prepared to go. Ah, oh, this is pie in the side stuff. But it's like, yeah, no, yeah, you should. It it means it means uh, organizing passive resistance strikes. It means demanding the right of political organization within the army and freedom for trade unions. And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, absolutely. True. But you, who is who are you? Who are you talking to? Are you talking to the Ukrainian state? Yeah, or, like, I mean, are you trying to rearrange the Ukrainian state and uh, the state and how it treats its left wing movements? I mean, I think no it's even in- worse. Like, if you look at the practice of it, like his his readership and his audience and the way he writes in English, it's it's designed for a UK audience. Like, and that puts a weird sort of onus on us as like various stripes of leftists. Like, what are we supposed to do with this shit? Yeah, I like. Yeah, I like Look, I mean, you could point out, hey, look, the uh, consequences of this, of arming civilians and things like that, is a further heightening of tensions. And if martial law is being declared in occupied areas, it means you can get people shot dead. That said, if this, if there is a real revolutionary moment, and then that's the thing that you would support. But if it's not, if it's not for us, presumably the only people would be this would be advice to the Ukrainian left. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure they're quite busy. <laughs> Oh, and, well, don't worry. Let me, let me keep going. Outside Ukraine, it means the left, again, un, 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 undefined, supporting massive sanctions on Russia and Belarus designed to paralyze their state's ability to make war and to deter uh, Putin from continuing the occupation. Is, is that what he's actually supporting? Is that what is what, why does the left need to support that? There are already sanctions on Russia and Belarus. What do they need the left for? Yeah. It's already a geopolitical aim of America I and mean, the EU. So... It's apparently that we need to, to cheerlead it. Like, I think what he's mainly disappointed with is that we've just not been, you know, waving our little uh, uh, blue and yellow flags around when this is going yeah, on. Th- when, this, is, you know, uh, this is just a liberal scold article. That's all this is. Who fucking cares? It's a poor, that's a poor, that's poise. That's not, yeah. that's not action. I was promised. I was promised. Paul Mason was a man of action, not poise. <laughs> Paul's point is that the Ukraine's right hand is strong. And so now they need to strengthen their left hand. To meet them. <laughs> oh, like, are we, we going to get like three or four years down the line and then figure out that Zelensky is actually Hitler and then David's going to be furious? <laughs> yeah, if uh, if Zelensky had been responsible for gunning down the Romanovs, yeah. David would be forced to give crit- uh, critical support. And yep. I think that might be a bridge too far. It would be. All right. Two, there is an inter-imperialist aspect to this war. How are we only on two, for fuck's sake? (laughs) (laughs) you got to train up on some eight-hour episodes. (laughs) 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 It's neat to do a little montage, yeah. For you, Jamie, this is the longest recording of your life. For Adam, it's still Tuesday. He's never (laughs) still... It's Tuesday! But it is secondary to the overall systemic conflict it is part of. From 1989 to 2008, we had a single imperialist power, brackets the USA, overseeing a global order attuned to financial extraction. Russia was plundered. China was ha- China was happy to play a subordinate role, generating super profits from its factories while developing its economy. After 2008, this changed. <sighs> 
After mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> after the Georgia War, Dmitry Medvedev, Dmitry Medvedev declared that a multipolar world in which Russia would act as a great power, demanding influence and control over large portions of the former Soviet Union. After 2013, Xi Jinping turned China into a one-man dictatorship with a state-directed economy, a rapidly expanding military, <sighs> and a neo-colonialist Belt and Road Initiative to secure raw materials and trade routes. <laughs> Why 2008? Why is it? What are you talking about? Xi Jinping turned China into a dictatorship. Yes, he did. Yeah, and 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 introduced a state-directed economy, which I don't think the Chinese had until then. I mean, I'm no expert, but as far as I'm aware, it's just basically the state supports your company as like a backer of last resort, and you do what they want. Otherwise, they kidnap you, like they did that billionaire. Yeah, Yeah. that billionaire who was kidnapped for like uh, a year and then came back and is like. I love this government. It's great. <laughs> Radical support to the CCP. Exactly. I mean, the sad yeah, thing is, C- we essentially CCP live in this. Big fan of uh, the old boy film, you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the sad thing is, we live in the same state, but without the cool billionaire ca- captures. I mean, I would, I, just if yeah. we could have the trains, if we could have the trains. I mean, yeah. Come on. Yeah, maybe. Hey, now, are you <laughs> for million, millions of empty houses? <laughs> yeah, we'll take some of them. Um, so, at some point in the 2010s, there emerged a tri-imperialism with each elite relying on a specific form of rent extraction. The West emerged. Became, mm-hmm, just, just, just came out of a hat. Um, yeah, just rolls out of the oceans one day when no one was looking, <laughs> and a weird mist descended over the land. No, but it's like 2008. Everyone, everyone was too busy watching like Breaking Bad or some shit. And then when they when they turned the TV off, suddenly there was like like fucking three great empires. Yeah, doing, Ex- doing some anime extracting shit. extracting rent as opposed yeah, to productively rent. doing economies like they were before 2008. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And in 2008, I- we discovered the rentier economy. Well done, everybody. <laughs> You think two thousand and eight was the year the year Paul Merson, Paul Mason figured out how to remember things? <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, he flames out like a phoenix and turns to ashes every eight years, so that's why he forgot. <laughs> <laughs> the West maintained the old neoliberal economic model, where the source of elite wealth is financial extractions (brackets) backed by central bank money creation. Russia doubled down on energy rents, creating a tight oligarchic and security elite. China's elite extracts wealth through super exploitation of labor. That's the only ones who do that, by the way. And to an extent, monopolized its position over raw materials, again, backed up by super soft central banking and increasingly state-directed economy. If these... Uh, okay. So I just, it's really yeah. interesting that he has to make each three of them different. Like he wants to add some like command and conquer style yeah. flavor to his <laughs> real time strategy factions. Like literally fucking command. And, he's, he's got all this from command and conquer generals, hasn't he? Well, the West yeah. gets plus one banking, but China does have like, super exploitation of labor. So it's, be- it's better in the end game. China produces hackers with their own laptop who just like create money out of thin air. Russia has a strong start, but unless it monopolizes uh, Tiberium really early on, it's... Uh, I'm sorry, Adam, you, you're mixing up your franchises that just won't stand on this podcast. <laughs> I mean, yeah. God damn it. Wait, no, Tiberium was... Yeah, not in Command and Conquer Generals, though, you buffoon. I didn't say Command and Conquer. Ah, I didn't say Command and Conquer Generals. I said Command and Conquer because I am too old to have ever played Command and Conquer Generals. 
<laughs> I played oh, Red I, Alert 2, motherfucker. I said, I said Command and Conquer Generals, so checkmate. Ah, <laughs> Damn, let's, let's just cut through this issue. It all comes down to this, right? NATO gets light tanks and medium tanks. The Soviets, well, Russia, I mean, they get the heavy tanks with the two barrels on them, and the super weapon is a mammoth tank which can launch rockets as well at troops, right? And then China, China just gets a wave of, of like little men who run across and throw grenades and shit. So, and that's how Paul Mason understands this, okay? Yeah. But the little men are exploited labor. But then Yuri the, manages to hypnotize the tank, so that it, it just changed yeah. the whole thing again. <laughs> well, anyway. Just wait until we get the psychic Japanese schoolgirl in. And wait until we get to the, uh, the paragraph about Tesla coils. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Let's not bring Elon into this, all right? If these were the only stakes, then the old Leninist principle of taking no sides in inter-imperialist conflict might hold some validity. But the crucial determining factor in this conflict is systemic. Oh, oh, shut the fuck up, Paul. Oh, shit, I didn't know it was systemic, <laughs> unlike yeah. all those other conflicts. No, they, they, unlike... those just appeared spontaneously. <laughs> we, well, should have, know... we should have if we should have really been paying attention from, I don't know, 1945 to 1990, <laughs> when it wasn't a systemic conflict. He's such a fucking fanny-like, do you know what I mean? He's got to come yeah. up with these, like, 2,000 fucking words of just, like, random fucking horse shit. <laughs> To basically, like, get to the point that I assume he's trying to make, which is that, like, the left would be more popular if they fla- if they uh, shagged the flag more often. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. That's, that's his entire fucking point here. And yet he's I, got to dress it up in, like, stuff about systemic fucking economies and, yeah, like, well, rent extraction to- and all this bollocks. He's got, to, he's got to dress it up. He's got to make the point that this conflict is about systemic issues. Unlike World War Two, where famously Churchill and Hitler just didn't get along. <laughs> totally different divergent worldview so that's oh, what oh, that's you, what brought you, those two uh, to conflict we established and... that that was World War One. we watched a film about that yeah oh no fuck <laughs> off we're not doing this again <laughs> right that so, is not becoming a touchstone of this podcast this is podcast. literally just he, he, what he wants is for like left wing people to fucking like he thinks the left can gain popularity by just going like yeah oh, fuck the Russians man why are you selling Russian cakes in the shop oh, I'm gonna burn it down and all this sort of stuff <laughs> And like fuck, you know what I mean? And just doing the sort of the the Starmer thing of like being more Baz. The thing is, he never <laughs> he never mentions popularity at this in any at any point. He never says, "Oh, you'll get some benefits." It just you'll be on the right side of history. Yeah, and that's it. Because if he if he came out and just said that, then people would accuse him of like just of doing of like doing politics or whatever. You know what I mean? <laughs> so he can't he can't ever just say that. But also, he can't just like get to the point because then he wouldn't be paid for fucking writing like articles, would he? Do you know what I mean? I mean, I find it hard to take it uh, the idea at face value that the left would be more on the right side of history by just, like, anything other than pretty much just axiomatically taking the oppositional stance to, like, the US foreign policy since 1945, right? Well, I mean, like, look, mm. it, the left called it really bad when we said the Iraq war was a terrible idea. We called it really bad when we said that Libya was a terrible idea. We called it really bad when we said that Afghanistan was a terrible idea and that the you know war on terror would lead to an incredible erosion of civil rights and you know people being locked up in prisons and never seeing the light of day. None of that came to pass. So we should really listen to Paul Mason when he says these things. Yeah, I mean like the fu- the fucking fucking NATO is like three for like 15 of conflicts in like <laughs> like recent history and it's like uh, just paul mason stop please please put your put your baby to bed 
<laughs> well, I mean, ultimately, right, as he has commented and as Rob has outlined, it's not really like the Western governments that hold the power in this equation. It's, you know, the Western shit posters on Twitter, I guess. Um, what was it he said? Like, it is 60-year-old Stalinists and 20-year-old, yeah. like, Leftist yeah. Leftist shit posters, yeah. Yeah, they're the people who have to get in line. So he's he's targeting the right audience. I think that's correct because, like, yeah, there's no one who's going to no Stalinists, especially if you've ever met any or read any of their stuff, that is going to say, "Oh no, I've read this. Now I think I'm I'm wrong. I'm gonna I'm gonna drop this whole thing." No, it's to talk to the mostly progressive younger people in the UK and say, "Don't even think of becoming the thing that I term as a Stalinist because that's bad." Right. Well, if you want to enter the real brain palace, let me read you a little bit onward. Uh, Three, the world has entered a systemic conflict between two allied militarized capitalist dictatorships and the liberal democratic West. Both Putin and Xi have smashed internal opposition, smashed the independent labor movement, overridden the rule of law and turned the full force of surveillance capitalism onto their population. Unlike a liberal democratic West that did not do any of those things. I'm so confused about what the neoliberal turn in the West was. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not worried about the idea that we're currently at war with China. When did this come in? Oh, there are always at war with China. <laughs> Look, what's the what's the important distinguishing factor here? Is it just democracy? Is that I it? I think so. I think so. Our democracy. That's what he's going to lean on. <laughs> yeah, because yeah, like I mean, also. Got also, like, if he's sorry, uh, if he's saying that, like, the distinguishing factor in the liberal democratic West is that populations get to choose their leaders, the key plank of Paul's argument here, matching the arguments made by like the establishment and the ruling class in general, is that democratic decision making should not be allowed over foreign policy. We can't choose not to go to Russia to war with Russia. We can't choose. We are not. A, we are heavily dissuaded from leaving from having a popular mandate for being in NATO. Like, that's one of the main purviews of government is that you will never have a democratic say in foreign policy. So where actually, is the benefit here? Actually, Adam, What's I the think difference? you'll find that, quite literally speaking, NATO does have a parliament. Ah, does it? What is it made <laughs> up? Is it like the EU where it's made up of, like, foreign secretaries and stuff? I think it's, like, indirect democracy. I think, like, the ruling parties just select people who go there or some shit. I don't really know. Yeah, it's like this the Council of Europe. This is too obscure even for me yeah. to follow up on, and that's really... It's, like, fun it's like the Hunger Games. People have to volunteer or some shit. I don't know. I haven't seen the Hunger Games, but... <laughs> you haven't seen the Parliament of NATO either, nah, so who's no. to see? So I'm, 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 I'm more clued into it than Paul fucking Mason is, at any rate. Do you know what I mean? There is nothing intrinsic to Western capitalism that says always and forever that it will main, that it will remain liberal democratic. However, what does that even right fucking that- mean? Like <laughs> <laughs> he said, I think he means Western capitalism could go authoritarian. Yes, he does. Oh, yeah. imagine! Uh. <laughs> Damn, I, we, we, I sure would hate to see that. <laughs> However, right now that is what it is. Period. In addition. <laughs> Apart from ultra right wing factions (brackets Trump, Zemmour, Orbán), uh, Western political <laughs> Sorry, and just, just you know, two who are actual heads of government and one man who was the most powerful man in the world for four years. Just factions, just small, yeah. insignificant yeah. shades of opinion, including powerful, powerful people in their countries. <laughs> <sighs> 
Western political and economic elites express an active preference for and attachment to the rule of law, science, democratic progress, and universal human rights. I mean, do that. A preference, <laughs> a prefer- a preference is not advocacy. No. And why science in there? Who gives a shit about science? What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> they love science, unlike notorious petrochemical state. Russia, <laughs> where you don't need science at all. Exactly. Just you wait until the I fucking love science Facebook group turns against Putin. Then, by gum, we'll see. Try to hate science. That's why they're so terrible at copying iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> this one weird science to defeat China. <laughs> Xi Jinping hates it. <laughs> A vivid example of the practical implications, I don't know of what, but th- th- here we go. Uh, a vivid <laughs> example of the practical implications. Example of something. <laughs> but it's vivid, it's so vivid. And it's practical. Um, was provided by the Donbass Miners Union, whose leaders I met in Kiev, uh, Kiev, or however you want to pronounce it. Have fun with it. It's your podcast. You can listen to it. Play with it. Um, see how it feels. When the separatists seize the Donbass, they, uh, they asset strip the mines, shut most of them down, banned the unions, kidnapped and tortured its members. As a result, many fled to the Ukrainian side of the border. Little wonder then that on first day of the war, its members were ringing the HQ, I don't know, to say, we've run away once before, this time we'll fight. What, well, what does that tell you about the West then? That. If the West, if the West, you know, asset stripped the mines, nationalized industries, shut most of them down, and banned independent unions or conglomerated them and restricted their use through laws, things that never happened in Russia in the nineties, by the way, just that never happened. <sighs> the the kidnapped and tortured bit, yeah, sure, but you know, there were active police agents infiltrating the NUM during the strikes. So, uh, what? It, yeah, what are you saying? <laughs> well, apparently that that because they're unions and they support the liberal West as represented by Zelensky, who is what it is, what we have. Therefore, because those guys signed up for the military, we should support them because we're all socialists together. I think that's how it goes. Poise. Pose. <laughs> You're not striking the right pose. <laughs> yeah, I've got some old. I've got some old issues of Vogue. Look, let's, let's, let's. Oh, no. doesn't work on a podcast, but you know what? <laughs> yeah, Spies, Paul, Paul Adam. Mason. Spies. Paul Mason absolutely does not look at Vogue. He's into much, much more explicit stuff. We know this. He's he's frequently made comments about it in Greece. <laughs> Wait, Greece, the country, or he was in Greece at the time. <laughs> well, that's covered in image. covered in Greece, so greasy. <laughs> Gently petting a chrysanthemum. Oh, David. I will read that. I will you, dig out the book and I'll read it right here you, on this you podcast. You read that to yourself. No, <laughs> I most certainly do not. How dare you? <laughs> decision time. For the left, then, there is a big decision to make. We can sit on our hands, quote in Latin, as we so often are wont to do. Sorry, we- right, no, sorry. Hang on. Who? Who? What what named person, Paul, has to make a decision platoons. for the left? The anarchist right. platoons who quote Lenin have to make yeah. a decision. How, Paul? How? <laughs> right? Who is who what is the structure by which the left, this monolithic entity, gets to make a decision that in any way, shape, or form matters? 
Is this? Is you this forget just... when you get consulted. The next time I get consulted by the Foreign Office, I'll tell you. I'll tell you about my decision. <laughs> is this? Is this entire or King Adam? Is this? Is this entire article just a subtweet of fucking momentum? Because that's the fucking vibe yes. that I'm getting. At this I mean, point. that yeah. really does yes. feel like it. I yes. mean, that's been his vibe for I don't know the last three years or something, maybe a bit more. Yeah, yeah since fucking Corbin Momentum, fell. who like full throatedly uh, backed Angela Rayner at the uh, last leadership election. Yeah, great. Okay, I'm sure mm-hmm. they're really like against all this shit you're spouting off about. We can sit on our hands, quoting Lenin, or we can accept the systemic nature of the conflict, you know, where the Protoss and the Zerg and the Terrans are in permanent conflict, but two of them are allied because they are dictatorships uh, or something rather. Um, yeah. And, take, and they need, uh, they require more Vespian gas because Paul's fucking <laughs> snorting all of it. <laughs> or we can accept the you- systemic nature of the conflict and take a side in it using our expertise and connections to turn the underground opposition networks in belarus and russia into outright revolts hyphen and indeed among the underground working class movement in china uh, that's so fucking condescending <laughs> It's so fucking condescending. Like, I saw that Westplaining thing going on around. Yeah. I don't fully understand it, but, like, this is oh, it's so off, condescending. It's like, we can use our Western expertise and connections to turn them into revolts. They couldn't do it on their own. Fucking well, no, of hell. of course not. I mean, it, it, I mean, underground movements are always best, and they always turn out for the best when we help them with the support of our democratically elected intelligence agencies. I wonder if Lenin had anything to say about systemic issues. <laughs> he's he's fucking he's. Do you know what it reminded me of? So I did. Yeah, I did read this beforehand, and like it reminds me of he's Prester Johnning it. You know the Prester John myth. It was a medieval myth, right? Mm-hmm. That yeah. over the other side of Muslim lands, there was this rich, powerful Christian kingdom, and that if Christianity could like Christendom could break through the Muslim lands and reach it, they'd be able to like. Uh, conquer Islamic, the, like reconquer the Holy Land together. Yeah, because Preston like John would help and come and support because they would have all these mythical Grail Knights. Essentially, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it got to the point at one point. I think they met Genghis Khan and thought he was Preston John. <laughs> <laughs> um, like Marco, they used like tales from Marco Polo and said, "Ah, oh, Genghis Khan. He's clearly a Christian, a Christian monarch from the other side of uh, Muslim <laughs> Muslim lands." But like, that's the that's the the idea that like. There's this, like, the, the left movements in Eastern Europe and in China are, they're the pure ones, right? Not like our kind of moribund, uh, decadent Western leftists who won't even go to war with NATO, you know? And if we can link up with them, we can give them, we can give them our expertise and they can lend us their, like, vitality or their purity or something. Yes. It's so yeah. fucking condescending. Well, it's also, like, just like I mean, on purely practical terms, what would it look like if the left, whoever the fuck those people are, would indeed manage to bring expertise and connections all the way from London grad down to uh, Kiev, and then we would start an underground railroad and ship uh, arms and armaments to well, see, China? This is a thing. What? Well, no, this is this is a thing. It's like um, there. You know, you, you mentioned the whole West Splaining thing. That that is basically a bit of an op, actually, right? There is real West Splaining that goes on. It's the liberals mm. who do it. The left don't generally West Splain exactly, right? And the idea, you know, basically it was it's means to shut down criticism of this conflict from a leftist perspective is saying, oh, you're West Splaining. And it's like pure op, absolute 100% op. You won't change my mind on this. 
the the idea that, that Paul's conjuring up that actually there are these you know little small bean resistance movements but they just lack you know the the support the material support well except he doesn't say material support it, and this is this is the core of it it's like what would that support look like do you want to arm the commies mason is that what you're saying i i guarantee i guarantee there is one uh group in the west that is very keen to le- lend their expertise and connections to underground uh left-wing movements and that's the fucking cia <laughs> I mean, um, and you know, I fucking guarantee that the CIA is not supporting a left-wing coup that will nationalize Ukraine's industries and empower the Ukrainian proletariat. Yeah, exactly. Oh, it's shocking, it's, I know, but it, this this is the the image that Paul is trying to kind of conjure. This idea that this it is possible to do some kind of intervention that isn't material intervention to support these groups who really just need what. What, what do they need if not material intervention? What do they need if not material support? Bots and prayers. Vibes. Yeah, right? Mm. And and that that is West-splaining at, at its best, which is to say it's a liberal thing. This, you know? this, of course, is what Western liberalism never contemplates because the idea of workers with Molotovs and AK-47s controlling a country never really appeals to them. Yeah, they hate it because it's not their fucking politics. It's yeah. in direct conflict with their political and material interests. I mean, the yeah, last they don't few... want it, Paul. What? Yeah, I mean, since the Second World War, every time a group of workers with Molotovs and AK-47s did end up controlling a country, what did the liberal West do, Paul? What did they always end up doing to that? Send people know, armed with open arms. Sent people armed with M16s and stealth bombers to stop them. Yeah. To take a side in this systemic conflict does not mean advocating war between NATO and Russia. It does mean, as most of the European left and all of social democracy did in the European Parliament, vote for the, re- <laughs> vote for, vote for the resolution that committed to sanctions and military support for the Ukraine. Okay, so why? why? So why do we need to take a side then? If most of the European left are doing it, and all of you know the social democratic group in the European Parliament are doing it, and all the representatives are doing it, affecting the only material change that the left are supposed to make, which is just sanctions, not war. It's just sanctions. Then who cares? Who cares? Why? Who are you writing this to? Because they've already done it. The vibes are (laughs) impure. Yeah, the Lenin Lenin lover sixty nine is not treating, tweeting rather, approvingly (laughs) enough of NATO. So something (laughs) must be done. (laughs) <laughs> it's also like for years they have been getting across this idea that uh, economic warfare waged on a country is not actually economic warfare; it's sanctions, and mm. sanctions are like this minor thing, right? And so, by their own rhetoric, sanctions are therefore not severe enough to warrant this escalated situation. Only war can be, and it's kind of like that. You know, they've built a, this kind of golem of their own creation that is now rampaging which is the press who are unhappy with anything short of World War fucking free. If only um, there was some, if there were some, you know, research into how sanctions made populations feel domestically about their own leaders. If only there was a country we could look at. But you can't ask people how they for feel, For 20 Adam. years. If only there was a numerous countries for 20 <laughs> years under sanctions who we could ask how it makes them feel about their government, whether it you can't increases support or feel. decreases. People aren't people aren't rational. People don't give you clear answers. People don't know what they're doing. How are they meant to know what they feel, Adam, when they can't even stage a viable uprising against China or Russia? <laughs> stuck in their underground, stuck in their underground tunnels. I guarantee 
Paul Mason thinks that the underground workers' movement in these countries literally lives underground. <laughs> given, <laughs> given Putin has threatened the West with a preemptive nuclear strike uh, in case of interference, the left can be an important voice for realism, uh, hyphen, sorry, brackets, though not of the Mearsheim flavor, while the neocon right, right stokes calls for direct military confrontation with Russia. I hope okay. Paul's not putting himself out as a voice for realism here because there's been about a thousand words so far that completely fucking blow that case apart. <laughs> yeah. What? Well, yeah. It's an important voice for realism. So just doing what we're doing already and everyone's already happy with. And what already, you, well, not happy with, but already doing. But, here, you know but I mean? here, here I think we come to the crux of Paul's problem. What you cannot do is hide from the issues by clinging to the average day, as Auden put it in 1939. I've seen a lot of left figures for example, parts of the DSA in in America, adopt this oh, as a key force. No, no, here we go. Fuck with the DSA. Yeah, David, the DSA filled with literal who's that like... <laughs> <laughs> here we go, David. Refusing to tweet, engage, or comment on Ukraine, except in the most yes. general terms. It all comes... I told you, it all comes down to fucking tweets. Yeah, it's it's posting. Posting. Of course it does. It's, yeah, tweet. it's tweeting. Who's He's saying Kisvani was right? <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna drop a battalion of posters into the Donbass. <laughs> That's oh, why he was hanging out with Ozkatergy. Now it yeah. all makes sense. Ozkatergy is just the advanced guard of the Twitter battalion, <laughs> and uh, you know he's by far the most uh, you know belligerent and well armed of all the Twitter cadres. So uh, he'll make a beachhead for the rest to follow. Absolutely, one hundred percent. Paul understands the um, military economies of scale, and to support one blue tech, you actually need a thousand unverified users on their site. <laughs> <laughs> and that one blue tick cannot rest easy at night without the swift arm of a civil magistrate <laughs> to police the tweets. <laughs> if the poster before you falls, pick up his account and keep moving forward. <laughs> Careful, there's bands moving in, moving in behind us. <laughs> oh my god. Um, all right. Just, now, sorry, I've just, I've, just, I've just got like a bomber flying overhead, and all you just hear screaming from it is, "Do you want to review this before posting?" <laughs> as it soars across the battlefield. <laughs> all right. Now, who's ready for some praxis? Because this is the last bit. Practical steps. Uh -huh. Sure. All right. We're here. Let's do this. All right. First bit. I'm just gonna skip. It's like. Uh, all right. Practically, we can support the Ukrainian left, unions, and human rights groups. We can raise money, buy equipment and medical supplies, and organize a left counteroffensive to Putin's information war. See, posting, posting, especially, uh, posting, especially in Eastern Europe and the global South. A lot of this is actually on the way and led, being led by the social democratic and anarchist left. So thank you, James, for your struggles in the posting wars. What, what can I say? One day at a fucking time. Anything for you, Paul. <laughs> What Paul Mason is saying is that we should arm James. Yes. <laughs> we do for have those I'm a pacifist. It's a fucking way. I just, I don't, I don't think people quite understand how anarchists interface with state complex, but never mind. Never but, fucking mind. Well, you're, you're like, you're like Frodo carrying the ring. Only you can be trusted. <laughs> <laughs> Why doesn't the eagle simply fly James into the Ukraine? <laughs> 
like Frodo carrying the, the ring, I can't wait to fuck off out of this world, frankly. Anyway, carry on. Until James Take- has delivered the tweet directly to the Kremlin. <laughs> <laughs> Here, right, hang on. Oh, sorry, we're doing this. Who is my Samwise then? Who is the person who is like carrying me up the hill? Is it David? Dipshit reply guy. Dipshit reply guy. Yeah. <laughs> For those of us who live in NATO and NATO-aligned countries, there's also a huge opportunity to redesign NATO. (laughs) I I live in a big NATO with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) To redesign... (laughs) Alice, you just perfectly captured this energy. (laughs) I can't. I'm not picturing Paul Mason with blue hair. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the race right. car bed, but with an eight O colours. There is a huge opportunity to redesign NATO as a defensive-only alliance with clear limits to out-of-area operations and to democratise the professional right-wing dominated security and military machines of the West. So, you know, <laughs> just do that. You are all welcome in the North Atlantic Treaty Organisation. <laughs> just I just I love the implicit admission like yeah no NATO isn't just a purely defensive organisation at present doesn't that contradict a lot of the horse shit he's been sitting never mind yeah that, no that's the whole mind. point that it's like oh no NATO would never it's a defensive alliance and it's like that's what it's supposed to be Paul fucking <laughs> moron I mean, not many of us, not a lot of us know it yet, but the next NATO uh, parliamentary session will actually be the start of the Sixth International. (laughs) (laughs) Look, it's just simple. Why don't you just democratize the West military machine? Why why haven't you done that already? Yeah, this one trick. Why haven't you just gone into NATO? Why haven't you just gone into NATO and said, "I'd like to democratize this, please"? (laughs) One democracy, please. I'm seeing one democracy, please, underneath a picture, a a fairly well, but at the same time badly drawn picture of a duck, and that is how I feel about this issue. (laughs) For those in the EU, there is another opportunity. Oh, cool. At Versailles, the EU leaders pledged to make the continent self-sufficient oh. in food, energy, and military technology by 2027. Oh, okay. This is the long awaited. <laughs> well, by 2027, <laughs> David, you give, have to give these things time. Oh this yeah, is, I'm sure they'll fix it. This is the long-awaited resolution of the strategic autonomy debate. Oh, I know I've been waiting for it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> on the edge of his seat. <laughs> Paul's, dis- Paul's discursive pattern is summed up entirely by oh you mean these chaos emeralds about my travel <laughs> oh you mean the strategic autonomy debate yes yeah. if Europe desires strategic autonomy it will need massive debt funded and state led investment programs with distributional impact of rearmament and decarbonization shifted onto the rich you know, <laughs> why don't you just get the rich to pay yeah, why don't you get the rich to pay for the, for the AK-47s and Armalites of the poor people, as they who, love who doing. Paul, why don't we just get is, the rich to pay, Obama chuckled. Who is Paul <laughs> actually writing to? Who, like, uh, dead serious for a second, who is he actually writing to? I, it's just, is it like, is he constructing... I've got he's a theory. Trying to prove, okay. He's trying to prove that he's he's like yeah he's he's like known as a leftist, but like you know he can like bully the left into shape. He's gonna 
he's doing this sort of like ineffectual thing, isn't he? Where he's just. But we already have an Owen Jones. Yeah, but he's not. <laughs> we have Owen Jones at home. Yeah, he's not writing to anybody. He's writing to the discourse itself. I'm genuinely. It's the same thing as if Owen Jones. Though, desires. It's the same thing as Owen Jones, though. He, like you know what I mean? He 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 pinned his like fucking flag to the mast, and then like. Corbynism went down, and he's but you know he doesn't know how to, he doesn't know how to do anything else for a living, so he has to find a way to continue to be like a a, a publishable writer, and this is him proving that like you know he can he can recognize that the left needs to learn lessons and needs to behave better. You know what I mean? So basically, he's when all right, yeah, I'll get on board this good thing. Oh, whoops, that good thing didn't work out. Well, I better prove to them that it's not that I'm disloyal, I'm just mercenary. And while they're in charge, I'll happily back them to the hilt so they can trust me as long as they're paying me sort of thing. Yeah. Like, I can sort of see this, but... Who's paying know, him? Uh, Who's I, paying I, him at the moment? I don't like, know. Genuine it's question. a very interesting question. He's freelance, right? Yeah, he's not yeah, got yeah, a yeah. staff position in any in any way. So who's oh, paying? I mean, this was on Medium, so it's free. So much well, I mean, disappointment. Right? I assume. Uh, I assume this is just like as. Uh, do you know what I mean? Like this is just him trying to prove that like he can like that someone should hire him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, the place I see him he's most, do- the place I see him most these days, where he's actually his work is published, I presume he's paid for it, is the New Statesman, which it, this mm. makes like a lot of sense because that's this shit. Yeah, is this some yeah. um, is is this article you're reading? Is this literally spec work for manufacturing consent? <laughs> Possibly. I mean, yeah, but if you're talking be. about who 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 he's writing against, like I don't want to put like feathers up our ass or anything, but I think who he's genuinely trying to talk to, I think is like us or like listen of us. Yeah, I it's think the, so. the remains the 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 kind of unattached um, sort of people who are left over from Corbynism. Yeah. And he's he's cautioning them against a certain thing that they'll be called. Essentially, his way of disciplining you is saying, if you do this, you will be called a Stalinist by me, but by others as well. Well, in that case, I'm going to take obviously going to take the Jamie route of doubling down or doing what he says, the (laughs) the absolute opposite of what he says. So, you know, good work there, Paul. What I'm twice as much of a Stalinist as I was before. I hope you're happy. What we can't go on with and should cease tolerating is the dissolve NATO rhetoric coming out of the campists. I don't even know what those are. Stalinists. Oh, like, 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 like are- campists are like choosing a particular, like, oh, camp in Cold War politics. And okay, that. okay. Mm. Uh, rhetoric coming out of the campists, Stalinist, and outright pro CPC groups on the left. Again, what, me. Who- yeah, you. <laughs> Just me. <laughs> yeah. Um, and also this podcast, which has pre- frequently called for President Xi Jinping to come save us. Um, <laughs> it is time to draw an absolute line of demarcation f- with them. How, for example, can Die Linke ever go to the German electorate again with a loud minority of pro-Putin candidates? Oh, you mean the pro-Putin candidates in Die Linke, Obama chuckled? <laughs> drop that in there because there's no way that you're ever going to find out there's no way you're ever going to know exactly how many loudly pro-Putin candidates the linker put up no the, the, I'm, but more importantly you're responsible for putting them there that's, that's definitely true <laughs> Apparently. I mean look you Frankly, know, I worked good. in Brussels for a really long time my fingers are in all the pies you know it's just that's, yeah, that's, that's just, the way it that's works. just because you did the catering stuff though wasn't it Rob <laughs> <laughs> 
We should recognize that the left, like the rest of Western society, is a battlefield in Putin's hybrid war against democracy and cease giving his outright backers the space to operate. All right, I've ceased. Now what? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I think you'll find that Alistair and Jamie have no redoubled longer. their efforts. You know, Damn I'm it! <laughs> They've created even more space for Putin's outright backers to operate. Yeah. I feel like I'm yeah. fighting out here all on my own. <laughs> Yeah, I've only got a I've only got a small garden, but I, I put a TARDIS in it for them to work out of. So, <laughs> no, I tell you what, right? You're going to take this wall, you're going to knock that in, and that is going to create a great open space for the outright backers of Putin to operate. <laughs> really great. It's going to exactly. be amazing. You'll be able to fit the this put is, couch I, right I against that wall. I don't I don't understand this because Adam is king of the left, so clearly we should all be falling in line, right? Yeah, it's true. Even the anarchists should be falling in line. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. That's exactly right, Sergeant James. Um. <laughs> Damn, that one, that, one, that one got a visceral reaction from me, Rob. Thank you. <laughs> At least you're an officer class. I mean, look. <laughs> that's, that's, where, that's where David's brain goes, right? <laughs> look, once Thank we're done with this recording, David. I'm going to go no. to my partner and say, look, we're not taking a Ukrainian refugee. We are instead taking a pro-Putinist, neo-Stalinist party, party member in. <laughs> you don't have to. He's already there. They're already there. <laughs> oh, shit. You're right. <laughs> Remember, because you, you gave them the space to operate. So yeah, no there. check under the floorboards. No wonder my food prices have been going up. I've been buying food for 12 people without me noticing it. <laughs> By all means, let there be pro-Putin, neo-Stalinist parties that can operate freely and openly, but they should not find space in either social democracy or the radical left. So what is? <laughs> Who? So Who? Name names. There's literally a Stalinist party in this country. I can't fucking remember which one of the small groups it is. There is one. Name them. I, they publish a fucking new... Ah, oh, shit. CP, CPGBML or CPGB Maoist Lenin. I don't know one of them. There is one that I, I'm 100% sure is a pro-Putinist neo-Stalinist party. So name them. You yeah, but utter he moron. doesn't. He doesn't know who they are. Like I can almost guarantee you that he's completely it. unaware yeah. of them. And yeah. this, this is absolutely for. And know, it's three bearded guys. Use it as just pissed them off. And it's and it's three bearded guys in Yorkshire having like a pint of bitter and like I don't know delivering newsletters. What like what are they supposed to do? Now listen, listen here. That is uh, that is a terrible. Terrible slur on the north. They clearly come from further south. Anyways, um, do you think he's going to be a bit flummoxed when they turn up on his doorstep, having taken umbrage at him writing directly about them? Well, they wouldn't know because, what? like, the most they're going to do is do a reading group about it. Like, that's going to be it. They're going to subject themselves to the same hell that we're subjecting ourselves to right now, and they're going to say, "What a fanny," and that'll be it. Do you think? Do you think they listen to this podcast? Actually, that'd be very I don't efficient. Know. Um, uh, Stalinists do write in and tell us if you would like more Stalinist yeah. content. Exactly. All those, <laughs> all those Stalinist reprisal attacks. Where they, come, where they come and attack you and you know who they are and they show just, themselves to you. I'm just, I'm just picturing a tank turning up on David's like, doorstep and his eyes lighting up for the oh, first time in years. Yeah, that would come raw, actually. Yeah, yeah I'd join them immediately. <laughs> Look, you know, neo-Stalinist Patreon money spends just as good as neoliberal Patreon money. So I don't know what the problem is. We have we, both. <laughs> we are we are actually the true centrists. 
Exactly. <laughs> we have we have been brought by Putin's ethno-nationalist attack on Ukraine to the final point of a divergence within the Western left that began over Hungary in 1956. Is this him winding this up? Nowhere fucking close. Nowhere fucking close. Are you, fu- are you fucking kidding me? It is literally the, it's literally the defining moment of the 20th century left after, I mean, after the Second World War. You are nowhere near close to the final point of a divergence. It's gone. It's done. It's finished. What are you talking about? Well, look, I mean, uh, clearly, you know, the, the Western left split was about whether or not you supported the Russian invasion of Hungary in 1956. And those yeah. issues have it's... largely remained unresolved and very important in every year since 1956. Why I can't remember an evening where my parents sat around the dinner table and didn't discuss again whether or not they thought that that invasion was justified. Everybody knows what the word meaning of the word tanky is when they use it, especially on Twitter. Yeah, well, that's that's you know you're not allowed on Twitter unless you can prove yeah. you've eaten an entire dictionary. Uh, <laughs> that's why Matthew Goodwin is such a good poster. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there is said E. P. Thompson, whoever the fuck that is. There is said E. P. Thompson regarding that event. No single Marxist tradition, but the tweet. two. <laughs> the first is a tradition of theology. The re- the second is a tradition of active reason. Right now, conceptually, these two traditions are on different sides in the shooting war. What is left to discuss? This Dick Dawkins goes to Moscow. <laughs> Fuck off. Everything. What are you talking about? They're in a shooting war? The two sides of the left are currently engaged in a bitter civil war over what Ukraine means. I feel like Ukraine has been one of the more kind of unifying things. It's like, yeah, it shouldn't be happening. We shouldn't be supplying war like uh, weapons to an active war zone, and we should prioritize the safety of civilians. Seems yeah. like a, um, you know, we're on the side of the working class. Seems like see, a that's pretty that's clear cut side to be on, Paul. That's right. The problem here is that Paul Mason's definition of the left includes liberals like him. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, he's too. <sighs> No, I wouldn't say too bloodthirsty to be a liberal. He's different in a way. I can't put my finger <laughs> on it. It's why he gets it's why he gets in our Orwell Prize award category every year. Because he's not a liberal. He's just himself. Yeah. <laughs> and he yeah. can never okay, escape that. Yeah. I can't he's, define he's a... it. I can't define why he's not a liberal, but he's too And also like he's a quantum get... superposition of a man. Yeah. And also near yeah. guaranteed, like much like your namesake of the Orwell Prize, if he isn't already, Paul Mason one day will definitely shop our names and everybody else to MI5. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Like you'd think he was an agent, but I don't think any agency would hire him. No. <laughs> Paul no, Mason He would turn up in like the next Athens, wherever, you know, the contradictions heighten to a point that it actually leads to popular uprising and start posting at like... A different porn star saying, I also work for MI5, so my hotel room is pretty sweet. No, I think he'd I think he'd turn up in Athens, right? In, you know, wherever the next one is, like you say, Rob. I think he'd turn up and he'd get talking to some fellow leftists and um I think they would steal his camera and kick him down a flight of stairs when he discovered exactly what kind of anarchist he is. I think um, just to on that we're in this natural look. Well, in that natural little break point, I'm just going to drop a little present into the Discord for you all that I've been working on while we've been doing this. 
<laughs> well, that's the episode art. So that's the episode art right there. Uh, I think, speaking of natural breaks at this point, uh, I think we'll wrap it up here, you know, and leave you, yes. the listener, you know, to back to the rest of Wind my it. co-host. Wounded and winded yes. as they are. Yes. Um, yeah, so we'll, we'll sign off just now, shall we, since you're here, Rob, and we'll sign off from the past as some sort of like act of ultra-efficiency. So, uh, yeah, we will be back um, as normal for the most part. We have we do have a holiday coming up, uh, but not yet, so don't worry too much about it. There will still be some content going out during that. Otherwise, uh, streaming will continue as normal, twitch.tv falls as PraxisCast. And all that's left to do is thank our guest, Adam. Adam, Who can also plug? plug his podcast and Wonderful. other things before we go. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure, as usual. Um, yeah, we uh, we don't talk about the weather podcast. You can find us on Twitter at WDTATW underscore podcast. The best chosen oh, Twitter handle of all time. <laughs> oh my God, I regret it every day. <laughs> <laughs> Okey doke. We'll see you later then, folks. Cheerio. See ya. Yeah. Bye-bye. Cheers, Bye. everyone.